out that connection card, give it to uh, one of the ushers as you leave. And we got a little gift that we want to give you and tell you a little bit about the church. So Isaiah 9, I've been preaching the last several weeks on the power of the name of Jesus. And uh, we've been looking at names of Jesus, titles of Jesus. You, you, when, you're, when you're a preacher, you can never go wrong just pointing people to Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do. My goal is always to point people to Jesus Christ. You know, the gospel isn't about what you can do for Christ. The gospel is about what Christ has already done for you. And it's you just receiving what he has done. Religion is about what you can do. The gospel is about it is done. It is finished. And so the names of Jesus that we, we've been exalting and lifting up the name of Jesus. And today I'm going to read the text is Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. And a um, very popular passage that's read at Christmas time. You probably know the scripture. But I'm going to pull some things out maybe you haven't seen before. It says, Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, four names. Some translations will have, and he will be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, comma. But actually, the comma in the original text does not go between Wonderful and Counselor. See, it's one, one name, Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I love verse 7. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And I love the rest of this. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. It's, it's the Lord's covenant that he made with himself that will cause all of this to happen. Government, government. In American Government. There are four pillars that represent our democratic republic, and that's what we are. You know, you hear some people say, we're a democracy. No, we're not a democracy. America is a democratic republic. History lesson. History lesson. Right, Mark? Democratic republic. If you're just a democracy, it means the mob can rule. But a democratic republic is about representation from all the states, and you want, all, you want everybody represented in your government, right? Four pillars. Four pillars that represent the government, our government. Justice, equality, freedom, and representation. Justice, equality, freedom, and representation. There are also four pillars of freedom in America. Freedom of speech. Thank God for freedom of speech because I got a big mouth and I like to scream out Jesus and I do not pass the political correctness test. So I am sorry I do. Actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I am proud to be politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Praise God for freedom of religion. Freedom of press, freedom of assembly. We lose any of these four pillars, we lose the foundation for freedom. We lose the foundation of, of our governments, the, the governments of the people, by the people, and for the people. And in Isaiah 9, there are also four pillars that represent the government of Christ. But, but these pillars are actually his name. They're his name because Jesus alone is the foundation of his government. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, 
Prince of Peace. Four names, four pillars that represent his government and how he governs his kingdom. I'm preaching today about his governmental names. The names of his governance. To begin, notice that Isaiah said, For a child is born to us, but a son is given. That, that's an important scripture. A child is born, a son is given. A child is born represents the humanity of Christ. He was born in flesh. Born of the Virgin Mary. A child born represents his humanity. A son given represents his deity. The son given means that he was sent by God from heaven to us. Child born, humanity. Son given, his deity. That's why Jesus is called son of God and son of man that we just sang about. Son of God, son of man because he's all God and all man. I've, I say this over and over, but this is an important part of our theological background. <laughs> it, Jesus isn't half God, half man. He's all God, all man. They're popular, they're popular televangelists that will preach that Jesus, he gave up his divinity. He laid aside his divinity and, and did everything all man. He was just filled with the Spirit. But see, that's false theology. Jesus didn't give up being God. Rather, he added on flesh to him being God. He is God, man. See, see, this, this is crucial because this is what qualifies him to be your Savior. If he gave up his divinity and was just flesh, he, he wouldn't be qualified to be Savior, Lord, and King. But see, that the Son of God, Son of Man, a child born, a son given, that's what qualifies him to rule as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in this government. And then it says, the government will rest on his shoulders. Such an awesome phrase. The government will rest on his shoulders. Isaiah is a prophecy. This was written 700 years before Christ. Uh, and actually here, the government will rest on his shoulders. Actually now, Isaiah is prophetically looking past the birth of Christ to the future millennial kingdom where Christ will establish his kingdom on earth. If you are part of the Revelation class, uh, we, we firmly believe and, and can show you scripture after scripture on, on the prophetic timeline that the next event that will take place will be the rapture of the church, where the, the church, those who are saved, will Jesus will come into the clouds and we will rise up to meet him. After that, the seven years of tribulation, where God pours out his judgment on the earth, where God works and deals with Israel at the end of the seven-year tribulation. All the nations, the, the enemies of the Lord will, will come against, will come to Israel to try to defeat Israel, led by the Antichrist and, and, and all that. And, and what will happen is the church, we who, who were redeemed, who have been saved, will return with Christ. In the air, and Jesus will come, and he'll speak a word, and he'll destroy all the enemies that have come to, against him with just a word. And then after Armageddon, you know, when it says the battle, it's Armageddon battle, but really it's really not a battle because Jesus just speaks one word, and boom, they're wiped out. But then Jesus will, he will descend to the Mount of Olives, and he will touch down, 
the Mount of Olives and we will touch down with him on the Mount of Olives and he'll cross over the Kidron Valley and he'll walk through the Eastern Gate, which by the way, right now, the Eastern Gate is actually shut up. It's closed. But see, when Jesus returned, that gate's going to open up. Because Jesus is going to walk through that eastern gate and he's going to go to the temple mount and he will establish his kingdom and his lordship on, on planet earth. And he will rule and reign on planet earth for 1,000 years. It's called the millennial kingdom of Christ. And the Bible says that we will rule and reign with him. So this is the event that Isaiah is looking to. The government will rest on his shoulders. His kingdom, his millennial government will rest on his shoulders. See, that means that in the millennial kingdom, Jesus won't need advisors. He won't need counselors because in his government, he's the wonderful counselor. He don't need your advice. He don't need my counsel. He's the wonderful counselor. In the millennial kingdom, Jesus won't need an army, a navy. He won't need military might because he's the mighty God. He's the mighty, all-powerful God. He won't need uh, people to keep his schedule. He won't, need, uh, he won't need a chief of staff. He won't need people to make sure that, that he's on time because he's the everlasting father of time. In his kingdom, he won't need a secretary of state. He won't need a state department to negotiate peace deals because in his kingdom, he's the prince of peace. See, this is his kingdom. Every aspect of his governance, of, of his kingdom will rest on his shoulders. And aren't you looking forward to the day when you're going to see this all come to play and you're going to rule and reign with him and of his kingdom there will be no end. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that's then. What about now? <laughs> what about now? See, I need some application right now, don't you? I'm looking forward to then, but... but but right now, what about now? See, I think there's application here for us right now because we are, if you're in Christ, you're citizens of his kingdom right now. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, your Savior, your King, you're under his government right now. Notice it says again, the government will rest on his shoulders. You could actually read it, he will carry the government and the weight of it. On his shoulders. Remember, you said yes to Jesus. You're in his government now. So, what this says to me is that just as Jesus will carry the future millennial government on his shoulders as citizens of his government right now, that means if we let him govern us, if we yield to his kingdom rule, if we cast our cares on him, he'll carry us on his shoulders right now right now and the government will be upon his shoulders life gets hard doesn't it life almost becomes unbearable at times doesn't it the burdens the the weight of life's issues are hard to bear but the good news is is that if you're a citizen of his government if you let him govern you, if you cast your cares upon him, he'll carry you. You will rest upon his shoulders and he'll carry the weight you're bearing on his shoulders as well. Isn't that good news? Don't you need someone to carry you at times? Now here's where the governmental names come in. 
Because when we submit to his governance, when we yield to his kingdom, that, that means, that means we, we're yielding to his will. That means we're no longer operating in our own little kingdom. That means we're, we're no longer operating in our will. We're coming under his lordship, his kingdom. When we, when we do that, he'll not only carry us on our shoulders, but the power of these four governmental names will become manifested in our lives. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Look at the first name. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. If you let Jesus govern you, he'll not only carry you, but he'll be a wonderful counselor to you. He'll give you the guidance and wisdom and counsel for your life. Psalm 73 verse 24 says, You will guide me with your counsel. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you probably know this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. The reason why life gets so messed up for us is because we lean to our own understanding. We lean to our own reasoning. We follow our own heart and, and counsel and, and try to govern our own life instead of letting the wonderful counselor be our guide, be our counsel, be our wisdom. So how does he counsel us? How does he guide us? Well, today the primary way he guides and counsels us is through his written word. You have his written word, 66 books of the Bible. That's the primary way that he, that he guides you and counsels you. If you need wisdom... Get into the, the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. Another way that He guides is through unctions of the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit every day when you wake up, you ought, to, you ought to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the presence, the power of your Holy Spirit. And what happens is through, often you'll get these unctions in your spirit. You can't explain it, but you just get these unctions in, in your spirit. Do this, do that. Another way He leads is, is through your prayer time. He also uses godly people to speak into our lives. Preachers, good Christian counselors, godly friends. That's why you need good godly friends. That's, you, you know, Job had some friends, but they weren't good friends. Job's friends, when Job, you remember Job, remember he lost everything? I mean, he, he, I mean, hell broke loose on him, and he's needing good friends. And what do his friends do? They give him terrible advice. They condemn him. Well, the reason you're like that is because you did this and you did that. Now, you don't need friends like that that's going to, look, I know everything that's going wrong. And I don't need you to tell me what I'm doing wrong. I need some counsel. I need some wisdom. I need some encouragement. That's why you need good friends. You need good friends. We have preaching. We have small groups. We have Bible studies. Surround yourself with, with good friends. So if you're not in the Word, if you're not filled with the Spirit, if you're not in prayer, if you're not constantly connected to godly people, it means you're leaning to your own understanding. You're stuck doing it on your own. But when you lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him, He'll be a wonderful counselor to you. How many of you need a wonderful counselor? Don't we need this wonderful counselor? Don't you think God knows a little bit more than what we know? Bible says in Colossians, in him, referring to Jesus, in him is all wisdom. All wisdom is in Christ. Look at the second name that will become manifested in your life. The second name is Mighty God. Mighty God. If you submit to his governance, he'll carry you on his shoulders. 
He'll be a wonderful counselor to you. He'll also be a mighty God to you. Mighty God. He's mighty God in flesh because in his government, he doesn't just counsel you. He doesn't just give you wisdom and direction, but he has the power to execute the counsel and the guidance he's given to you because he's mighty God. See, these names all work in conjunction with one another. We go to him for counsel. He counsels us, but he also has the power to make that counsel come to pass. Example, if you've got a, a mechanical problem with your car, you've got an issue with your car, if you take it in to the dealership or to the mechanic, what they normally do is they put one of these diagnostic machines on it, and then these, these computerized things, they can figure out what's going on, boom, 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 figure out, just, I mean, just like in a split second. And once they diagnose the problem, they put that machine on and they diagnose the problem. After they figure out the issue, well, that mechanic, he's going to come back and he's going to say, well, this is wrong, that's wrong, you need to do this, you need to do that. And here's the good thing. The good thing about it is when they diagnose the problem, the mechanic, the dealership diagnoses the problem, usually you can just leave the car there because not only do they have the diagnostic machine to tell you what's wrong, but they also have the tools and the mechanics to be able to fix the problem like a two-for-one shop you get to figure out what's wrong and then you get you get the problem fixed and the thing about jesus is that if if you go to him as your wonderful counsel your wonderful counselor if you tell him your issues if you tell him what your problem is he'll not only counsel you but he has the power to fix the problem, because he's not only wonderful counselor, he's mighty God. It's a one-stop shop with Jesus. He'll diagnose the problem, and he has the power to fix what he has diagnosed. Mighty God. Our problem is we try to fix the problems ourselves, don't we? It's almost like we, we try to play God. We try to operate in our own power. But you know, when we do that, when we, when we take all of this on ourselves, it means we're not letting him be mighty God in our life. It means, technically, it means we're not submitting to his governance. He'll be mighty God. Don't you think if Jesus has power over sin... Don't you think that if Jesus has power over death, hell, and the grave, don't you think if he's got all power, he's omnipotent, all-powerful, what, wouldn't you think that he has enough power to fix our little measly issues and problems? Last time I checked, nothing is still impossible with God. He's still able to do exceedingly and abundantly far above all that we can dare ask think or imagine he'll be your mighty God if you yield to his governance let him be your king and ruler the third name everlasting father I like this name because if you yield to his governance he'll be everlasting father to you now don't get this confused this is one of those verses that's sometimes confused confusing this doesn't mean that Jesus is also the Father. People will twist this and consult. Jesus is the Father. The Father is Jesus. No. In the Trinity, you've got one God, but you do have three distinct persons. In Bible school, they call it essences. One God, three distinct essences. So this doesn't mean that Jesus is also the Father. Rather, if you dig into the Hebrew context, 
father would be referred to as source or originator. A better translation here, so what we could say would be he's father of eternity. He's the origin of eternity. He's the source of eternity. We could also say father of time. Father of time, of eternity. What a powerful name this is. In the government, time management is crucial. For a king or a president, virtually every minute of the day is planned out. This is when you go to bed. This is when you get up. This is when you got to do this. This is when you got to do that. You know, I operate along the lines of 10, 1030, 11. You know, for a king, I mean, literally, they're like at, at 1042 for a president. 1043, you're going to be doing this. At, at 743, you're going to be doing this. Because time is crucial. When we get to eternity, there'll be no more time. But as for now, we are trapped in time. We're trapped in space. We live with 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year. Time, time. We're, we, we live, we dwell in time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there is a time for everything. A time for this. A time for that. A time to be born. A time to die. Time comes. Time goes. Time keeps ticking and ticking. Once it's gone, you don't get time back. As long as we dwell in time, it keeps going. It keeps going. So since time keeps going, keeps ticking, that means we need someone to help us manage and redeem our time. And if we let Jesus govern our life, if we submit to the, to the governance, to the kingship of Jesus, then he'll not only be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, but he'll be our everlasting father and he'll help us manage and govern our time. Our time. How many of you could use someone to help you manage and govern your time? Your time. That means he'll arrange the course of our steps. He'll order our days. It means he, he, he'll, be, he'll become associated with every single aspect of our life, every detail, every, every second of, of our day. He, he'll be involved. Psalms 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every details of our lives. Think about that. When you submit to his governance, when you submit to his, his government, he will be involved in every single detail of your life because he's everlasting father. That means he'll cause things to line up that needs to be lined up in your world. He'll remove things in your life that could hinder and steal your time. He'll even remove people in your life. That will hinder and steal your time. Amen to that. Some of you need some people removed because they're stealing your time. <laughs> they're wasting your time. Don't, uh, some people are just a waste of time. If they don't want to come under the governance of Jesus, they're a waste of time. Girls, if you're dating a guy that's not coming under the governance of Jesus, has no interest with, for living for God, he's a waste of time. He'll oversee everything in the time and space of our life because He's everlasting Father, the source of time. 
You know, when he's your everlasting father, you don't have to, to go crazy if the stoplight's taking too long. You don't have to stress out if you're, if you're stuck in traffic, if you're driving up 95 in South Carolina. You know how I feel about I-95 in South Carolina. And you're, you don't have to stress out because maybe, maybe uh, our everlasting father of time is before us and he's sorting some things out. Maybe you arriving five seconds later saved your life. Everlasting Father of time. When He's your everlasting Father, He has a way of showing up for you right on time. Right on time. Galatians speaks of Jesus being born of a virgin who showed up to planet Earth right on time. Jesus came to the lame man at the pool of Bethesda right on time. Jesus appeared to the fearful disciples walking on the Sea of Galilee right on time. Right on time because he's everlasting father of time. I love this quote. You know it. He's never late. He's seldom early, but he's always right on time. That's right. Because he's everlasting father. And if you submit to his kingdom... And his governance, he'll be your everlasting father. And I promise you, right when you need him, he'll always show up for you right on time. Because he's faithful like that. Because he cares for every single detail of our life. The fourth name of his government, the Prince of Peace. If you submit to his government... He'll be your prince of peace. The goal of every good and free government should be to provide peace and security for its citizens. Peace epitomizes the government of Christ. Peace, true heart peace, epitomizes the government of Christ. This this isn't about just being peace, being uh, free from war, free from conflict. We're talking about true peace in your heart. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom. You've heard that term before. The concept of shalom is about wellness and wholeness and completeness. It's, it basically is about your life being put together, operating in orderly fashion. It's well order, free of the chaos. Shalom. So when a Jewish person says shalom, they're not just hoping that you have a little happiness inside. They're literally, they're basically prophesying a life of wholeness, a life that's put together, shalom. Today, everywhere you look, you see chaos, you see confusion, you see drama, you see lives torn apart, you see families torn apart, you see governments tore apart and split and chaotic. You see turmoil everywhere. Drama, drama, drama. It seems like society is fueled by drama. Facebook is fueled by drama. The news is fueled by drama and chaos and and, and catastrophe. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who came to bring shalom, wellness, wholeness, completeness to our life. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Shalom, 
whose mind is stayed on you, whose mind is fixed on you, fixed on Jesus, because he trusts in you. See, if your life's in chaos right now, if, if, you're, if your world is drama, chaos, traumatic, disorder, you need the Prince of Peace. You need the Prince of Shalom to come into your life, to come into your home, to come into your family. You know, Christmas time, you hear, you hear the phrase, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We sing about peace on earth. There's songs, let there be peace on earth and, and let it begin with me. And, and see, when, when the world sings that, when society sings that they, that, they think that this phrase, let there be peace on earth, let it begin with it, they think that it's all about them trying to make peace on earth. They think it's all about them having to produce goodwill towards others. And that's good. I get that. We need, we need to be peaceful. We need to do goodwill towards others. But you know, actually, um, that phrase that everybody quotes at Christmas and songs are written about, 99% of the time it's taken out of context. You know that phrase, let there be peace on earth, or let's say peace on earth, goodwill, goodwill towards men. You know, it actually has nothing. It's actually from the scripture. It's Luke 2.14. You know that it actually has nothing to do with you bringing peace to the earth? In the context of scripture, it's about Jesus. He's the only one who can bring peace to the earth. And you know, they also leave off the rest of it. They'll say, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But you know, there, there's some leftover. It, it actually says at the end, in the amplified of that verse, it says, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. That means that the peace, that the shalom, the order, the wholeness, completeness, is for those who are aligned under his governance, under his kingdom rule. It, it's for those who he is pleased with. And who is he pleased with? It's those who have come under his kingdom rule. He'll be your prince of peace. He'll bring order to your life if you submit to his government. We can sing all the songs we want to. We can wish for peace. We can, we can spread Christmas cheer. We can give gift after gift after gift, but we'll never experience real shalom in our life if we're not yielding to the one who's able to give us real shalom. Peace. Shalom. Shalom. You ever heard an orchestra warm up? The trumpet section and the trombone section and the clarinets and the flutes. How many of you had kids who were in band? I know Chris had a guy who played for the Florida Gators marching band. When, when he first started, was it beautiful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it probably, yeah, it's, the sounds are, I mean, weird dying animal elephant sounds. My daughter, when she was in the seventh grade, wanted to play the clarinet, and it was my ears bled listening to her. I wouldn't tell her that. I would encourage her. But, but, when, you're, but when, you're, when you're in an orchestra and you're warming up, it's chaos when they're warming up. 
Everybody's doing their own different thing. You know, you're blowing. And all these weird sounds. You got the drums doing this and everybody. It is, it is just complete chaos. Because they're all, they're all operating. They're, they're doing what they want to do. <laughs> but when the conductor comes onto the scene and he taps his wand, all of a sudden... Those who were once doing their own thing, they, they now become aligned under his leadership. They're, what they're doing, they, they adapt to his presence. They stop doing their own thing and they start following the guidance and the leadership of the conductor. And what once was chaotic and, and just torture to listen to is now harmonious because they've come under the leadership the rulership of the conductor. And see, our Prince of Peace, our conductor, when he steps onto the scene and, and he taps his wand, which is the word of God, and he declares the, the word of God and, and the word and those blessings and, and I'll do this, I'll do this and blessing, and he's tapping the word. If all this chaos, if we just align ourselves, if we bring all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our circumstances, all of our will under his presence, under his leadership, what once was chaotic in our world will now become something harmonious. Because the prince of Shalom has stepped onto the scene and because we submitted our will and everything we are to his leadership. That's the prince of peace. Yes, his government will rest on his shoulders. He'll carry you on his shoulders if you allow him. His four governmental names will become manifested in your life. His name will bring wonderful counsel to you. His name will, will bring you mighty power. His name will manage your time. His name will bring wholeness and completeness to your brokenness, to your disorder, to your chaos. And I just want you to know as, as I close that it doesn't matter how much your life is torn apart. You might be listening online. You might be in here today and your life, your world is torn apart. In, in, in God's government, in, in, the, in the kingdom of Christ, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much drama you have, how much baggage you carry in. If you'll submit to his governance, if you'll cast your cares on him, if you make him your Lord, your king, he'll carry you along with the weight that you're carrying. Aren't you glad to be in this government? Isaiah 20, 40, 46, verse 4, as I close. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. Now, I actually added to that, or until your hair falls out. I, I, I got to claim that until your hair. I'm not adding to scriptures. I know it says, let him be accursed. If you add it. I got gray. He said, I made you and I will care for you. Remember, he, your lifetime, your entire lifetime. He says, and I will carry you along and save you. I'm going you to bow your heads. That's our wonderful counselor. That's our mighty God. That's our everlasting father. That's our prince of peace. He will carry you. 
and the weight you're carrying on his shoulders. Before I go any further, I want to ask you, have you received Jesus as Savior? We, we receive him as Savior. That's the starting point because we need someone to save us from our sins. We need someone to save us and rescue us from hell. Then we need him to be our Lord. Then we need him to be our king. But the starting point is, have you received him as Savior? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're, you're, you're feeling condemned. Maybe you think you've sinned away any opportunity for grace, any opportunity for redemption. I promise you, you haven't. The greater the sin, the greater his grace. The greater the sin, the greater his grace. Churches might have condemned you. Phony religious people might have condemned you. But just like Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery, he says, I don't condemn you. Receive my grace. Now go on out and sin no more. You don't have to live like that. Receive his grace today. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Today, the greatest gift you can receive is salvation. The salvation of Jesus. You can have assurance that this government, this future government, that you're going to be in this future government one day. Would you pray with me to receive Jesus? Say, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I know that you shed your blood for me. I cannot save myself. Come on, you pray that. Make that your own. Make it personal. I cannot save myself. I have zero ounce of goodness in me. That's why I need you to save me. I believe in your sacrifice. I believe in what you did for me. When you died on the cross, when you rose from the grave, I may not understand the whole, all of the, everything, but I know you did it for me. And I'm just coming to you with childlike faith, asking you to save me, to be my Savior. Just a simple prayer of repentance and dedication and calling upon his name. The Bible says he'll save you. He'll usher you into his kingdom. You'll be born again, born anew into his new government, this incorruptible government. And maybe you're here today and maybe you know that Jesus is your Savior, but you've been living out from under his lordship. You've been living out from under his kingship. Boy, you could really use someone to carry you right now. You could really use someone to carry and help you bear the load. You could really use someone to give you wonderful counseling. You could really use some, some mighty power in your life because you feel weak and feckless. You could really use someone to, to, to help me redeem the time and, and, and work in every detail in the course of my life. You could really use some peace in your life. Well, why don't you rededicate your life? This is for Christians. Because you can be a Christian and still live out from under his governance and still have lack of peace and all that. Why don't you come back in? Why don't you rededicate your life? If you've been out doing your own thing, doing your own will... Bring it on back in. Bring it all back in. Say, Jesus, I, I know that you're my Savior. I've asked you to save me. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for, for, for stepping out from under your governance. I want to come back in. I want to recommit myself to you because I need all this. I need all of this in your kingdom. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that as we prepare for Christmas Day, Lord, we just pray that we would prepare our hearts. That we would prepare our hearts that this wouldn't just be an ordinary, another Christmas day, come, gone, 
But Father, that this would be, 2021 would be the year that we, that we sell out. As we close this year and we're going into 22, that we would sell out for Christ. That we would come under your government. We know that, that you're, you're for us. We know that the best is yet to come. But God, we also know there is a discipline. We must come under.